everybody. What's happening? Hello, hello. Make sure everything's good over there on the various interwebs. Hi. Having Robert Bordelon Pearson coming on in about 15 minutes. Hope all is well. Uh, evening stream. Got one tomorrow night as well. If you feel like supporting, you can hit the like button. You can tell a friend. Hit the share button. Tell a friend. It'll be worth it, guys. It'll be worth it. We're talking about scripture tonight. We're talking about uh, the Bible. Robert re- did a saw. So- in his words, did a soft rebranding. I think I had the guy back on in January. No, it was more like December or something like that. I know I was at location four. Looking forward to talking to Robert about the Bible, theology, denominations. What else? Um, he had some interesting things he said in his intro video about his, his, his soft rebranding. But Christian, how we can move the cultural ball up the field as Christians. A little bit of Pride Month, a little bit of new stuff. Looking forward to it. Hope all is well, everybody. Random Randy's in the chat. What's up, Steve over there on Facebook? Marie over there on DLive. Hi, everybody. Going to be a good one. We're going to do a lightning round at the end, as always. So save your goofy lightning round uh, questions for the end. We'll talk a little bit about his book. uh, You know, before that, get him to plug his book. Let me show you what we're looking at. The blue collar blind spot. Follow along as I, he, Robert Robert, uh, Bordelon Pearson, takes you on a tour of the unreached people group in your church and in God's heart. Please open your eyes to the blue collar blind spot. You can follow him over there at Blue Collar Bible Scholar. Let's actually just get into it and uh, watch one of these his videos while we take a wait. Because there's a couple things he mentions in this stream right here on Instagram that I want to ask him about. Uh, fascinating. Orlon Pearson, and this is Blue Collar Bible Scholar. I'm doing a little bit of a soft rebrand away from the follow the leader, uh, just because the whole ambiguous self help pseudo dad life stuff just wasn't it always felt fake and forced Um, but everything just flowed and felt like I was doing what I'm supposed to whenever I was talking about random esoteric bible knowledge and so I'm just doubling down on that and here we go this is a description of my channel the channel description video hello It is important to understand the uh, the deeper and more advanced Bible study scholarship area. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult because I'm shying away from saying the deeper things of the Bible, the more advanced knowledge. It makes it sound better. It's helpful. It is good, but I don't think it's inherently morally better. The people that founded uh, Christ's church after he left, the apostles, the original 12 are illiterate. Uh, Or at least uh, Peter and uh, John. At least Peter and John are. Um, Or was it James? I don't remember off the top of my head. Definitely going to ask him about that because I I had never heard that before in my life. uh, That, you know, Peter and John or James were... I mean, I'm pretty sure if it is... If he's correct, it's James, because I'm pretty sure it, it mentions John writing down stuff in the Gospels. I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah, definitely going to ask him about that. Uh, in Acts chapter four or five, they get arrested, and 
they are specifically called agrammatos, unlettered. They're illiterate. Uh, but they could tell they had been with Jesus, and they throw them out. I think it was chapter 5. And uh, they beat them up and say, don't preach about Jesus anymore. And they, they throw them out. And they, of course, go back, pray, and immediately begin preaching about Jesus again. So it's not critical. It's not part of salvation. I simply think it is very useful and good when it's put in its proper context. Uh, there, it's important to know, and especially nowadays, it's so easy. Five minutes of a Google search, you can find all kinds of bizarre ancient knowledge that you would have to have spent decades of your life searching in any other century than this. It, what used to only be available after spending days digging through an archive... Uh, because they didn't have the Dewey Decimal System until the last 100 years, 200 years or whatever. Uh, you would just have to go and hope you could find what you were looking for in a book somewhere, if you could even afford a book, if you could even afford time away from your farm to go look for these things without your family dying of starvation all your animals dying. I can find all that information for, on my phone in five minutes. Just like that. This is unheard of. So when your pastor mentions a Greek word, just take the time to Google it and see what he's talking about. See what other verses that word shows up in. See if he's right. Double check him. Just learn casually as you go because it it's incredibly useful. Specifically, it makes it really hard for you to be tricked. There are a lot of really mean tricks that if you don't know enough of the rest of your Bible can seem very convincing. But if you know even a little bit of Greek, they're, they're dumb tricks, and they're a waste of the other person's time. Uh, one that Jehovah's Witnesses like to use is in John 1, verse 1, I think it's in 1, 1, or 1, 4, uh, that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That doesn't say the God, it says a God. Which is confusing. In Greek, there's a thing. Yeah, so I'm going to, um, he's explaining this thing that I actually want to talk about him with, so we'll skip a couple minutes. It's, it's assumed when you don't. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, it uses that in the place of the name Yahweh. Uh, some of the, some of the places of the Old Testament in the King James, they use Jehovah, which is, uh, Germanicized letters pronounced wrongly to get Jehovah. Uh, Jehovah. Anyway. Huge tangent. The yeah, I definitely want to type that out and just be like, th explain the history of that uh, of that word. I'm really fascinated with the early church history. The point is, it doesn't always use the. It uses just God constantly. It uses Lord constantly. No the, no definite article, just kurios. And it, you're expected to know who they're talking about. And it's all, almost always obvious from context. It's, it's not that confusing as you're, as you're reading through. If you just grab a little snippet, you're like, I don't know what this says. But if you read the entire thing, you get it. You're like, oh, I get this. I get it. Who's the curios of hosts? I don't know. It, it's obvious. It's Lord of hosts. So I don't have to put the moving on. 
But if you don't know that, a Jehovah's Witness just shows you some Greek and you're like, it says a God. And then you look it up on Blue Letter Bible or whatever and you go, it says a God. All of them say a God. I've been wrong my whole life and I've been lied to. And, you know, it's not like we have more than 2,000 years of church history. A thousand years of church history where people and the scholars in charge have been learning Greek from childhood and have been reading these same books in Greek and in Latin and in Hebrew. And they're like, nah, it, it means what we've always said it means. It, it hasn't changed. It's not confusing. Uh, it's fine, everybody. It's fine. But if you don't know church history, you don't know that the teachings haven't changed and this is a new thing that's come up recently with the Jehovah's Witness movement in the last hundred years. Uh, you don't know that uh, these things come up all the time. Yeah, I definitely want to um, ask him about, like, I don't know what to call them. You know, so Jeho- I don't know what to call it, like Mormon, Jehovah's Witness. Um, what are the other, what are the, what are they called again? The... Man, this word is on the Urantra. Do you know what this is, guys? Robert's going to be here in a couple of minutes. Do you know what that word is? Might be wrong, might know, but it's like a cult. I mean, I don't know. I, like, I, don't, I, I don't like using the word cult that much, but like the non, I guess, Unitarian, like non-Trinitarian Christians, new Christians, Seventh-day Advent, Adventists, I, I don't know. I don't know much about them either. Is that a denomination? No, I, I don't think I'm, I'm talking about them. Yeah, they, they're like Sabbath people. Yeah, I'm going to ask about all this stuff, man. Gnostics. I mean, Gnostics, the Urantras are like in, within the last 200 years. The Gnostics are like 1,800 years old. I think the Gnostics came around in the, in the 100s, I believe. Maybe the 200s. But I'm talking about this. It's a sect within the last 200 years. So, yeah, so do you mean like Arians? Yeah, that's that's like like Arians believe that 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 Jesus was the first creation. You it keeps the first creature, yeah. From being tricked, it keeps a lot of things from being what would be fairly large problems. They're now very ah, sorry, very simple ah. problems. <laughs> so, I'm a proponent of why not no more? Why not try to understand more? Why not seek to learn more? So the focus of this channel is on expanding your knowledge of early church history and teachings, uh, original languages, content of the Bible, and uh, all that stuff, because it's important for you to know. It's going to help you be more robust intellectually, uh, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not, a, it's not a big deal, and a lot of these resources are easily found everywhere. Uh, you just got to know where to look and understand some basic operating principles, and then you're off to the races. Go have fun. And it doesn't have to be big. It's not monumental. Your salvation doesn't ride on this. Don't stress out about it. No no cortisol, no stress. Relax. It's fine. It's simple. It's fun. Uh, treat it like a game, but just do this instead of a crossword puzzle or something. Learn one new Greek word every week. If that's too daunting, learn, learn a Greek letter. The letter alpha. What are some of the words that I'm aware of that start with the letter alpha? It looks like a little fish dually. That's cool. What sound to make? Almost always makes ah. Okay. And then just be done for a week if that's all you can handle. It's not a big deal.
Uh, but just something. Be learning and doing something, right? Uh, just have fun with it. Uh, that's all I got, though. That's going to be my uh, double-down focus, and then maybe I'll start ranting about the news uh, if I can get... All right, cool. Let's just hang out for a little bit while we wait for uh, good old Robert. Should be here in a couple minutes. Yeah, that common heresies and stuff. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> I just saw saw what you sent me, Jeremy. That's hilarious. That's classic what you just sent me. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on that right now. Deleting tweets. All right. Robert, where are you at? Katie's dead in the house. Yeah, it's why you don't retweet your monthly tweet. You just brought, blocked those. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I already had them already blocked, but that's that good looking out, brother. I really appreciate that, man. There are soy replies. Why, why is there so much soy? <laughs> uh, where's Where's the soy? Something happened with Robert. We can start watching his. So he got his old stuff. Follow the leader. <laughs> Judo champ thwarts robbery. So it says Robert met this guy at Bible college. He's the most Christ-like man you'll meet you'll meet who can also uh, kill you with his hands link to the story in my bio I think we covered this one I'll show you guys it you did a baptism de- with the de- debate with Robert what what like what's your stance on it what's his and what's yours Oh, this is a good one right here. We talked about this one last time. Let's watch it. Starting to get a little worried because I sent him a DM and it looks like he hasn't opened it yet. It says online. Excellent. I'm Robert Bordelon Pearson and this is Follow the Leader. And I'm playing around with going live on Instagram. I don't, I don't know. Let's have fun. So I've tried really hard not to just rant about news events because there's way too much of that and basically all even the even the news now is just repeating what happened on Twitter that day like that's the only source for news ever now and I was just done with it so all the stuff I wanted to do on my channel for things I want to keep focused on Bible scripture you know, applying some of these higher level theological concepts for just everyday 
stuff because it's not it's not as complicated as everybody makes out. It's a little it's a little nuanced, but uh, I mean, if you're a functioning grown adult who's able to address themselves in the morning, there's no reason you can't start playing around with some of these ideas and wrapping your head around it. I have an issue with whatever the dumb chaplain from Congress. I didn't even bother to take this. So on. he's getting ready to talk about the a man and a woman thing. Remember his name? When did I have Robert on? I don't. I don't care that he said a woman. He wasn't praying to the Lord God of the Bible. He clearly says he's praying to Brahma, and everybody seemed to skim past it. Like even the Daily Wire mentioned it, and then they had three. They immediately followed it up with three memes about a woman. I don't care. He's a pagan praying to a pagan deity. He can say whatever he wants. The it doesn't matter that amen is a Hebrew word, not a Latin word. Trump Jr. Come on, man, Google a little bit before you jump in. Uh, it's not. That's not important. What's important is he said all religions are the same, and he said the Creator God of the world. Yeah, is the monotheistic God Brahma. Brahma. Yeah. That is infuriating and absolutely wrong. So he's clearly not praying to the God of the Bible. Even though, like, it was a decent prayer. <laughs> I just sent Robert a DM, and right when that happened, his phone chirped in the movie, in the video. Uh, it was a little wordy. And he gets as far as saying that, uh, like, he, he leads in the creator of heaven and earth and own, owns all therein. Which is uh, from the first line out of Psalms, Psalm 24. It's the first line of Psalm 24. And uh, thank you, Mr. Williams. In Psalms class, the one verse that I did memorize, uh, the entirety of Psalm 24. It's, it's a lot more applicable than I ever thought it would be in life. Anyway, uh, scripture, man. Memorize the scripture. You can't go wrong. Anyway, so he clearly makes a reference to Psalm 24, verse 1, and then slides right into kind of a neat exposition of the Aaronic benediction found in Leviticus. I didn't bother to look it up. Uh, but it's a it's a blessing over the nation of Israel given to Aaron by God for him to say over the people of Israel, um, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and, uh, and give you peace. I'm probably missing a phrase. And it's out of Leviticus somewhere. If you just God bless, God keep you, Bible verse, it'll, it'll pop up. Or Aaronic benediction, Google that and it'll up anyway um so he he expounds on each of those elements like you know give us peace peace in the workplace peace in our homes peace in you know in these chambers You're like okay all right i can agree with it uh you know you haven't said anything this is how satan lies okay he doesn't just say something untrue he says nine true things that everybody agrees with and then on the tenth one drops the bomb you can hear him pause a little bit when he says, we yep. ask this to our creator God. Yeah, let's watch it. Yeah. Let's watch it. That really good p- point about him uh, pausing there. I want the full, st- the full. Uh, so what's his name? Emmanuel Cleaver prayer. Yeah, dude. Praying to Brahma, dude. And then, like, 
And then like a week later, people stormed the Capitol. <laughs> um, I'm getting worried about Robert. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like triple checking to see if I messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, it's Wednesday. We said 6 to 7.30. It's, it's for once, it's not on me, guys. All right, let's look at this. Leave behind eternal God. Let's pray. Eternal God, man, this is so dark. Eternal God, noiselessly, we bow before your throne of grace as we leave behind the politically and socially clamorous year of 2020. We gather now in this consequential chamber to inaugurate another chapter in our roller coaster representative government. The members of this august body acknowledge your sacred supremacy and therefore confess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I know where Robert lives. Uh, maybe I am wrong. I thought that we had said Eastern time, but I'm now I'm second guessing myself because of what you guys are saying in the chat. But no, I know where Robert lives, man. Uh, I don't think so, dude. I mean, Robert, unless he moved in the last six months when uh, Mina in the house says I, uh, I watched Fuentes show yesterday for the first time. Hot stuff. Yeah, it is hot stuff. Yeah, I really like Nick Fuentes. Yeah. Um, that without your favor. Yeah, I mean, he may not know there's just one true and anointing, one true and anointed time zone. Yes, but in three persons. <laughs> and forbearance. Three persons, one nature, right? We enter this new year relying dangerously on our own fallible nature. God, at a moment when many believe that the bright light of democracy is beginning to dim, empower us with an extra dose of commitment to its principles. May we of the 117th Congress refuel the lamp of liberty so brimful that generations unborn will witness its undying flame. And may we model community healing, control our tribal tendencies, and quicken our spirit that we may feel thy priestly presence even in moments of heightened disagreement. May we so feel your presence that our service here may not be soiled by any utterances or acts unworthy of this high office. Insert in our spirit a light so bright that we can see ourselves in our politics as we really are, soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice, and inveigled by ideology. Now may the God who created the world and everything in it bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families, peace across this land. And dare I ask, O Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheist. Yeah, right here. We, we ask it in the name. I want to get the words exactly right. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. What the shit? Dude, it's like he got taken over by a demon right then. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. Brahma and God known by many. 
and names God by known by ne- many names. Many different faiths. By many different faiths. Why would you say Brahma then, dude? That is so creepy. That's like demonic, bro. And God known by now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. Brahma. What? And this guy. Okay, so. Methodist. Emmanuel Cleaver II is a United Methodist pastor and American politician who uh, has represented Missouri's 5th Congressional um, since 2005. Democrat, of course. Bra. Brahma, dude. A Christian, you know, quote, in quotes. That It really is the most egregious part. Now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. What a joke. That guy's like possessed by a demon, dude. I, I, I really, it's, it boggles the mind, yo. That's like some demon possessed shit. And then just like a woman. You sent me a DM. Cool. All right, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna text him. Let's put this back on. Uh, pagan. Anyway, they mean the same thing. Anything that's not Christian. Anyway, I mean anyway. Right, I say anyway way too much. I call myself on that before. Anyway. I'm trying to get all this out. Anyway, Robert. And not get lost. <laughs> Multitasking. I'm not great at it. It's, it's hard. It's the important thing is he. He says Brahma is the creator god of the heaven and earth and the universe. That's not... I mean, you're done there. You're done there. The moment you said that, I don't care what you say. That means, number one, everything you said was to the Hindu god of creation that created people. Who's not even that great. He gets one of his five heads torn off because he's talking... Yikes. I think he's on uh, Central Time, bro. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Cringe, dude. And then marries his daughter and then gets cursed for marrying his daughter by his ex-wife and then only has one temple when all the other deities in Hindu whatever stand have a bunch of temples all over the place. That's why he's only got the one. Um, I watched like one YouTube video on it. Don't, don't fact check me. I don't care. Um, so that's who he's praying to though, is some insane multi-faced pagan deity. Uh, that is, you know, Apostle Paul in, in, uh, two different places in his different letters, the exact references are escaping me right at this moment. Come on, buddy. Go ahead and turn. Uh... The exact references escape me, but at one place he basically says all pagan deities are demons that they worship uh, without knowing it. And the other place he says all of their pagan uh, deities are nothing. They don't matter. They're not existent, and they're not they're not a real thing. They're not really worshiping anything. Uh, so I think a little bit of both is true. Uh, demons like setting up false religions so they can watch us dance, and they're just going to kick back. They don't do anything. Hi, Emily! Um, I'm complaining about the, the A-woman nonsense uh, the Congress guy did uh, as a brief recap. Because I just now looked, because I'm not driving right now, so I can look without dying. Um, 
Anyway, I don't care about him saying that because he was praying to a pagan deity that nobody talked about. Nobody, nobody mentioned, uh, nobody seems to really care that he was praying to a pagan deity, Brahma. He calls by name in the prayer. And then he goes on to say that all religions are the same. Um, oh, I almost forgot. He says, he starts off by saying the monotheistic God. I watched it yesterday, I forgot. The monotheistic God, blah, 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 Brahma. Worshipped in many by many by many names in many faiths. So he calls all religions the same, and he says the monotheistic God. Nobody refers to their own deity as as monotheistic God. They don't. Freemasons do. <laughs> yeah, I, and I. Yeah, like no one, and and no one. That okay. So I play the song. Uh, his name is Jesus. Okay. And one of the lines, the only problem I have with this, it's a very good song. I really like it. The only problem I have with the song is there's a line in it before each chorus where he says, his name is Jesus, but you can call him as you please. I'm like, mm, what? <laughs> That's like some sympathy for the devil shit. Just like, it's n- like you call him, I call him Lucifer. You know, like, can I call him Satan? Can I call him Lucifer? Can I call him uh, Stalin? You know, like... <laughs> Uh, so it's, that's the only, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, the creator God, the monotheistic creator God, Brahma, who's, who's known through many cultures and many different faiths. Freemasons do. That's, that's a fundamental tenet of Freemasonry is that you don't, uh, all religions are the same and there's only one singular creator God architect of the universe. That's how they refer to him. I'm also cringing hard right now. I like, but bro, I swear this cat lived in Virginia, dude. Uh, that's that's what the G in their little compass. The, so, but but wait, whoa, whoa, but you, but it says, but it says, but I mean, just that one line isn't good. You know, he definitely lists all the other names for him, but he also says you can call him as you please. I don't know. And square stands for this is easily googled stuff low low hanging fruit uh it stands for god supposedly not geometry or the you know geom- geometric tools around it right uh anyway freemasons they're sketchy i don't entirely trust them and i just don't have any time for that but what little you can look into it they believe that all religions are the same and all gods are really the god lucifer who brings light and wisdom to men uh it's just just doesn't matter a whole lot, but those are the only people that refer to all religions being the same as the same time as emphasizing a, a monotheism. Uh, it's I don't I don't know some of the history way back. You used to not be able to be a Freemason unless you were a uh, uh, a Christian, and then they opened up enrollment to any monotheistic religion. Um, but anyway, it's basically universalism. It's diet universalism mixed with a bunch of weird Gnostic nonsense on top all mixed into a social club so you can show up and hang out with your buddies and wear silly hats. Uh, it's just not worth my time. But So he makes a Freemason reference, clearly is praying to a Buddhist deity, and then says all religions are the same and proclaims universalism, which is nonsense. And so this is how Satan lies, is he tells you a, cra- he tells you a bunch of true things. You know, everything he said for the whole like three-minute prayer was good until the last 20 seconds when he just goes off That's the rails. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. But he ends with a man and a woman. So now everybody's talking about a woman, sexism, newspeak. A man is a Hebrew. He doesn't know his Hebrew. Everybody should look up Hebrew. He was praying to a Hindu deity after dropping a Freemason reference and proclaiming universalism. You're not, 
you don't care about that. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to cry about, hey, woman, why not? Why did you not mention any other? No, he's praying to a Buddhist deity. And so <laughs> we'll mention that's really funny. As all religions are the same. That's the important point. And that's the point I don't hear anybody else talking about, except just briefly in passing. Oh, it's a hand wave. So now let me wax eloquent about the Hebrew etymology that I just Googled for amen. Um, yeah, nobody, nobody cares about that. Yeah, they've been doing Newspeak for a long time oh, now. Oh, no. I, 1984. Vindicated. Dude, vindicated. I was right. You guys were wrong. Eastern time supremacy, okay? He's just running a little late. It wasn't me. It was him all the time. All the time. It's always someone else that's wrong. <laughs> and hilarious. It was written in, what, 1954? So we've known a while, guys. Step up the program a little bit. Um, universalism is insane. The idea that all religions worship, secretly worship the same God is uh, it's a couple of things. It's wrong, and it's it's wrong because it's arrogant. To no, just I'm not. I'm de- not a time tard. No, you're a globe tard. I'm fine. I'm a time. I'm an Eastern time supremacist. Agree, because now in let's let's pick two religions. Let's say Islam. <laughs> Robert is an incredibly benevolent man. We know who is to blame. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's up, Codename Astro over here? What's the goal to crush? To crush, dude. Um, and Christianity both actually worship the same God. To crush people with our laughter. That's that's the goal. It's a fluid goal. What you've done now, if you say that, is you say that in thousands of years of probably millions of scholars and people that have grown up their whole lives reading the Quran, grown up their whole lives reading the Bible, you know, both, we got two sets of scholars here. Uh, easily the millions of people that have grown up reading these holy books their whole lives. Well, uh, Quran's not holy, but, you know, they they, they try. Um, and then you've got theologians within those two different two different religions. You have to say that, oh, I Googled it a little bit. They both worship the same God. You know, the people that have spent their entire lives... Ag- the goal is to make people famous. ...agonizing That's over funny. every nuance of grammar every theological idea and the way they interact and form different uh, religious systems within, you know, your, your religion, different uh, theological uh, structures, how it affects the practice of the religion. You're like, no, nah, I know more than they do. Cause I, I spent like 20 minutes Googling both Christianity and Islam. They're, they're both worshiping the same God. Really? You no. didn't. Yeah. Everybody that spends a lifetime of study, 90% of them say, no, the God of the Bible is not the God of the Quran. Um, the Quran is different. It's altered. It's been changed. It wasn't written until like 600 AD at best. Uh, no, they're all wrong. Or, you know, the flip side, they say that the, uh, the Jews have changed the history of the Old Testament. And, you know, everything after Abraham uh, going up to the mountain is, is wrong. He actually took Ishmael. He didn't take Isaac. Uh, and those are all lies. I mean, those are, those are pretty fundamentally diametrically opposed. Uh, let's just take the doctrine of Jesus. Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, uh, one of the members of the Holy Trinity, and you know, there, thereby God Himself, who came to Earth as a man and was fully human while being fully God, and became the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so we may enter heaven um, and have you know eternal communion with God through His sacrifice. Live video pod. We're back. There we go. So instead of all that. Instead of all that, Islam says that Jesus was simply a prophet who came to earth 
And uh, he was a greater prophet than Muhammad, though. That's cool. They at least think he was a good dude. All right. Let's see if we can do this, folks. Got Robert Bordelon Pearson in the waiting room. And, of course, I'm going to be crushing the musical intro. This will be uploaded as an uh, episode of, of Call Me Ignorant. Paul Me Ignorant. I was, like, thinking about the epistles. Call Me Ignorant. In a couple days, uh, he is an author. He is an electrician. I think he's a pretty smart one. He's the author of The Blue Collar Blind Spot, and he's rebranded his uh, channel as uh, Blue Collar Bible Scholar. I had him back on in the, in the beginning of, or the end of January to talk theology and, st- and stuff. Going to get uh, some more in more in-depth uh, approach to, to scripture and things like that along the lines of what, uh, what we were just watching. Let's get the man on in the room. work let's work it hopefully it works does it work hello connect hello probably hey hey how's it going doing all right closing background junk because i'm a horrible noob there we go Cool, man. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, it's a little choppy, but that's all right. We can. I think we can hear you loud and clear. So, welcome on to the program, Robert. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I we swear, I dude, I was second guessing myself so much, like because uh, I thought you were in Central Time and we were watching some of your videos, but I'm yeah. glad everything worked out. <laughs> no, yeah, because remember, I was like just down the road from you before you. Yeah, got ex- out of the exactly. Dive. Yeah, exactly. I, I knew I was right. I was vindicated. Yeah. So you're oh, re- sorry. Re- I had a there's a guy who's going to go to Kentucky and be in seminary there, and I'm probably not going to see him again just because how life goes. Yeah, and uh, we don't plan on staying here more than a, a few more years anyway. You can see which way Babylon's going. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we got curious. Got carried away. Sorry. Yeah, that's cool. Don't worry about it. I mean, so yeah, we were watching a few of your videos. I watched uh, the first of your two re- rebranding videos. Um, I guess we watched it. I watched it before the stream, and we watched it on air. Uh, you called it a soft rebranding of your uh, of your brand. I guess that's what you do with brands, I, right? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's it feels weird. It feels a lot like idolatry because I create this image, and then I want as many people as possible to acknowledge that image and maybe give me money for it. Mm. Ah, it's it's so on the line mm. i don't i don't know well yeah i mean what we're gonna kind of do today i mean we i don't know if we did the lightning round at the end of the uh, our last stream when we, we did our thing uh but at the end of the program we're gonna do a lightning round where people ask you like fun and goofy questions quick quick answer stuff but basically what i'm gonna do is pepper you with a lot of questions today about like theology scripture definite i'm big on definitions um, and just, you know, you mentioned early church history and stuff like that, which is, um, which I'm fascinated with. Um, but first kind of question is, is what, it, what is idolatry? I mean, is this the, the graven images commandment? Like what's idolatry and where's the, the line there? It's, it's difficult. The, the concept of idolatry is kind of fluid because you, you can get really, really literal of, any graven image um, to the point that certain, like uh, I forget which uh, community, I think Amish, certain Amish communities, they don't even put faces on the kids' dolls mm. because humans are made in the image of God. And so even this face could arguably be a, an image of some kind. Mm. Um, but you get certain pastors who talk about images like it's 
everything. Everything's an idol. Any, anything you put in the place of God's an idol. You know, watching TV for more than five minutes or loving your wife too much is an idol. Um, and so they, they wind up being everywhere as this kind of whack-a-mole. And it's hard to have a, a concrete definition of, uh, of idolatry. Mm. Is it one of those, um, like, you know it when you see it type things? And I mean, it's like, I, because if you only know it when you see it, then how do you keep from doing it? Right. That's where it's tricky. I think when you're dancing in a grove and sacrificing kids, you definitely know you've got too far. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, we can all agree on that one, no matter your, de- your denomination, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it is difficult because you, you talk about, you know, it's, it's possible to build idols in your heart. Um, I think that's where the uh, – it's one of the issues and, and flaws with sort of uh, any any denomination or um, I hate to say Protestantism in general, but it, it it happens. If you don't have a strong definition of things and a tradition, you don't have a solid grounding for a lot of these bigger questions. So anybody who has a statue is suddenly evil. Um, I don't think as defined on paper, at least like the, the reverence of saints and, and Mary and stuff. I don't think that's, in the definition of idolatry in the the way that's explained as far as, you know, some people can turn those things into idols in their hearts. I've I've heard different priests acknowledge that that's possible, Um, but not on paper doctrine, at least. Um, And you'll see within Protestant circles, they'll idolize individuals. A lot of people do that with Billy Graham and some of the other uh, big guys. A lot of Joel Osteen or anybody who's on TV essentially has a ton of people doing that with them, but it's, um, it's a difficult concept to reach. And when you talk with certain theologians or theologically minded people, they'll start anchoring it to pride. And then pride becomes like the only sin in the universe for them. And they rebrand everything around them as some form or a twisted bit of pride where it's idolatry of the self. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, does the, you, you talked about Greek um, on your streams. Does the Greek word, I've read this once and I don't know if I'm right or whatever, but does the Greek word for worship mean to like to give ultimate worth? Um, let me pull some, one of the reasons I'm such a huge proponent for everybody being a little bit of a theologian is the free resources are so fast and efficient that it really, it allows anybody with a little bit of knowledge, you know, just enough information to be dangerous, um, to, to find their own answers, uh, uh, worship. There's a couple of different words for worship used. If I remember one sort of directly implies, uh, offerings. Those are all the OT rest. Let's see. NT was asked. Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. Excellent version of the word. There we go. Good. John, I'm using the blue letter Bible app right now. Just real time. Okay. That's uh, what I was going to ask is like, what type of resources do you recommend? So blue letter Bible. Um, blue app. Letter, yep. Yes. It's free. Blue letter Bible.org. They've got an app. A ton of stuff is free. Um, for those of you who are, uh, really enjoy the Apocrypha, they don't have it. Um, but they, they've actually recently expanded their Greek stuff. So you can do the Septuagint uh, Greek searches in the Old Testament, which you didn't used to be able to do. Hmm. Um, you used to have to look at the Greek text that they provided you and then have to copy and paste that into your browser to find it somewhere else. Uh, worship. Looks like they use proskinuntas from proskineo. There we go. That's the word I remember hearing. Oh. Uh, Wrong. Oh, confound it. Hit the wrong button. There we go. Prescott. No, I want 
Strong's. They use the Strong's Concordance, which is hit or miss on some nuanced stuff. Mm. Uh, there you go. Kiss the hand, token of reverence from Prost and Keon to Ke- Man of Impure Mind. Weird. To Hound. Interesting. Towards Hound. So when it comes to words in the Bible, you can get a little bit of use from the etymology of the original language. Um, but when you're doing that, you have to be aware of the usage. It sometimes will be different from the etymology. Because <clears throat> like a lot of these concepts aren't Greek concepts. They're, um, they're Middle Eastern Hebrew concepts yep. being communicated in Aramaic and then written down later in Greek for people to understand. Not that the Greek isn't accurate, but if you're importing Greek ideas into that context based on etymology, you might be adding something. Um, not that you should never do it. Like the word for songs, uh, solo comes from, it's where we get psalm from. It means to strum from stringed instruments. Um, wow. Free tidbit. But the best thing to do is find the word proskuneo. And Blue Letter Bible does this thing where you're looking at the word you can scroll down, and this is what I get the most usage out of. I don't know how well my camera is going to pick this up. Well, I'm actually oh, I'm actually showing – I'm on blueletterbible.org. Oh, so I'm showing the people <clears> – <throat> you can't see it, but I'm showing the people um, the website right now. Gotcha. So, my computer is not cool enough to do two instances, so I don't, I don't have a, a picture of anything. Um, so, yeah, you're on Proskineo, though. Are you yeah, the, yeah, pros, pros, proskuneo yeah. worship, yes. So if you go down to the bottom, it'll it'll have a basic, um, it'll have a scroll of everywhere that word shows up <coughs> through the New Testament. I don't, th- I haven't seen it linked um, to do Septuagint for the Whoa, Greek words. Oh, this is. But sweet. if you go down, this is what I do when I want to know what a word means, because the biblical authors will be very consistent with certain ideas. And so I just start reading verses, and I'm like, okay, this is a context Matthew uses that word in. Boom, 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 boom. And then you just keep scrolling. You're like, all right, how does Luke use it? And if, you know, a lot of times it'll be a one-shot sentence out of the verse, you can click on that and have a fuller understanding of how it shows up in that conversation in the chapter. And then you come back, and you just keep going down the list. And after you look about 20 of these, you have a really good general idea of what the biblical authors mean and intend when they use the word. Mm. Um, but yeah, God is spirit and they that worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's uh, John four. I just scroll down. Until I hit it. That's not particularly helpful for me to understand. So I would just keep going. Um, but you've got people worshiping at a feast tabernacle of Moloch and Remfam and act seven. Uh, well, that's Stephen giving his rebuke. Yep. Your God Remfam figures, which he made to worship them. I'll carry you away beyond Babylon. Yep. So wow. um, that's, that's what I do is you, you, the etymology helps sometimes, but mainly you want to see how do the biblical authors use it. And then yeah. you can take this same word. So you copy and paste uh proskuneo and then open up. It might take me a second to find. Bum, 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 bum. It's amazing stuff, it? man. I've never really spent that much time with, with this kind of thing before. I mean, I have a concord. I have Strong's Concordance downstairs, but I've never, yeah. you know. So what is this What is this study called? Is this, um, is this exegesis? 
it would, this is a, a word study word if you were going to do and then it would be building towards exegesis to exegete oh. the passage okay um so you do this with every primary noun primary verb and maybe if the meaning of the sentence hinges on a preposition to understand the different ways that preposition is used so you'd study each of the individual words and then what does that tell you about the whole sentence? And then also you want to make sure that that for exegesis is in context of the whole chapter uh, within the book. Mm. This is why Paul can be confusing is because he's got a lot of weird detailed nuanced uh, yeah. vocabulary yeah. and gr grammar and high level theological concepts. And if you take any one of those elements and you pull them out, it gets very confusing because you start being able to not see the forest for every single individual tree. Um, I think Paul makes the most sense, at least to me, when you sit down and read him from beginning to end in a single sitting. Like one uh, book or like one, moment, one, one, like, what do you mean? Like, you mean all of his epistle? Like, like, what do you mean by that? Uh, yeah. Like if, if, if you're having trouble with a single passage in Romans and there's some Greek nuance, you're not, figuring out to like what exactly does he mean for all of sin fall short of the glory of god how's this take a minute and literally read from 1 1 all the way through to 16 15 16 chapters all the way through to the end at a single sitting it'll take about an hour and a half to two hours um depending on how fast you read and when you're done you'll have a fuller idea of what arguments he's making and how he's making them and why it all flows together. Cause he's got tons of run on sentences. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I don't know if you knew this, but I do a, a like a Monday show where I just a, like a Christian radio show where I, what, what I'm doing right now, it's called green pastures as part of uh, greater than I digital broadcasting quick plug. I know Sparky's over there in the chat. It's the Christian radio station that she runs, but basically I, I'm reading the, 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 the Bible all the way through on air. What I do is I'm, I read four, four chapters from the old Testament in the show and one chapter from the new Testament. And we're just trying to get through it, you know, whatever pace that is with like songs in between. But in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have that idea in the beginning. I was just like, I just read a couple chapters from Romans. I like selected what I wanted to read, but I found when I read a couple chapters from Romans out loud, I was like, this is so hard to read. You know, it's like, like you said, it's kind of run on sentence and the, the grammar is what really tripped me up. Yeah. The, the best way I've wrapped my brain around some of it, um, I, I'm a foreman now, so my brain is occupied. There's a reason I haven't made anything for like six months. Um, my brain's occupied throughout the day trying to solve problems. I used to be able to just turn a screwdriver for eight hours without thinking. And so I would get an audio Bible and I would just run it. And then I'd get to the end and I'd just play it again. And after like five or six plays or sometimes I go, wait, what did he say? And I'd go back a chapter, listen to the same chapter over again. Oh. Um, but you, you catch a better flow of it just when you brute force your way through it from beginning to end over and over again. Because mm. he'll do that where he does a diatribe in the middle of his flow. Right. Um, I, I have a trouble finding the Septuagint uh, online searchable one that I use. Um, but if you just find an online Septuagint search so to get back to the Greek thing. So you yeah. take proskineo. The Epsilon doesn't make an ooh sound for those of you that know or even care. Probably Jeremy. That's it. Um <laughs> It's, it's, it's a Y. It's where we get system hydration, hydrate. It's a Y. It's not a ooh. So anyway, proskineo, um, and you drop it into a Septuagint search, and now you can do the same thing for the Old Testament and find all the passages where that same word shows up throughout the Old Testament and wow. see how the Old Testament brain uses that same concept. Wow. Uh, because it's, 
a, a Greek-speaking Jew, for sorry, Hebrew, I'll, I'll clarify, be very specific here, um, an Israelite, Greek-speaking Israelite, first century Israelite, will use the, uh, the Greek with a Septuagint understanding, most likely. If they're speaking Greek, if they understand Greek, it'll be with a Septuagint context for their vocabulary. Um, Yo, other plug, 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 because <laughs> yeah, I'm, plug, I'm yeah. still new to this. Yeah, I got a whole chapter in here about why the uh, Jesus is a carpenter in my blue collar blind spot yeah, book. Yeah, we talked about this last time. Yeah, that I was gonna um, get you to like before the lightning round to kind of just give another quick uh, synopsis of your book or whatever. But here's I was gonna save this for the lightning round, but. Um, and I know you're like a humble guy or whatever, but do you think that you are one of the smartest electricians out there? Like, like as far as like grammar and language and stuff, I mean, like you're an electrician, bro. And do you, you, do you even have a college degree? It says you're a college dropout. Like, like I don't have a degree. Dude. I, I have five years of Bible college. I've got like 230 hours. <laughs> Yeah. No degree. Yeah. Oh, um, so, okay. So like, does that mean you're close? I dropped out. I, uh, I have less I, than that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I didn't pass the finish line. Mm. Um, our, our Bible college is odd. They gave just thousands of page of reading, um, expecting you to be just this aggressive bookworm. And I'm, I have very high reading comprehension, but I read very slowly. Um, and it, it's infuriating for me to try and like trudge through some books and so it's then they just piled books on and then they also piled on tons of paper and expect you to write for me to a ch- bunch of pages. Mm. And I'm a very concise thinker. And so I don't want to engage with every step of an argument. I want to say of the five points you have, they all rest on this one. And this one is wrong because you're stupid and end the argument. And you can't do that. You can't. Um, no. you know, it's a 30 page paper. My case is made in 10 pages with about 45 Bible verses. And they're like, but you need more. Uh, you need more books and articles and journal reviews. And I'm like, yeah, but we're only here to talk about scripture. And I've got 45 verses that say in plain language yeah. that you're stupid. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, like, yeah, fit. that's – to me, I mean, like, I don't know if this is just my, like, personality type or whatever, but I don't think it is. I think there actually is objectively more value. Like, this is a real Bible study, what you're talking about right now. Like, like, like how you feel about the scripture is not a Bible study, you know, it's irrelevant. What, yeah. What people's opinions on, I mean, now opinion, uh, other people's opinions get a little closer to it because like, especially if you're talking about like the church fathers, like the people that were in the, you know, the, the, the people around the time of the ecumenical councils, you know, these are very relevant opinions, you know, or, yes. yeah. And so, you know, but really like what the words mean and what the people close closest to jesus as possible you know these right. are the yeah these are the the things that i consider like a real bible study right yes that's the the whole reason our entire christian experience and worldview is founded on scripture um mm. even for the catholics church tradition you, know, you preserve the bible for a reason didn't you um it's a it's an accumulated uh codex of jesus's teachings and the by extension the early church's teachings mm. um a god's message to humanity preserved all of the early church fathers they make an appeal to tradition after supporting their point in scripture um an excellent resource i i would recommend just because we're, we're touching on church history um as a as a beginner if you don't have access we don't have time to like buy an entire copy of the Antonicene fathers and read it 
is a uh, dictionary of early Christian beliefs by mm. David Burkott. Cool. Um, and you can just Amazon, uh, Amazon search it or, you know, find some other non-sonomy laden book site. Uh, but yeah, dictionary of early Christian beliefs by David Burkott, uh, B-E-R-C-O-T. Yeah. I'm showing the people and right he, now. Yeah. Cool. Um, what he did is he went through, he's like a lawyer. He's some guy similar to Oscar. He's like just a regular dude. And he said, Hey, nobody's done this. I'm going to do it. And he read through the entirety of the Antonicene fathers, which is all of the earliest, most prolific Christian writers before the council of Nicaea at around 325, I think, um, AD, uh, sorry, AD 325. I want to do this properly because BCE is garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. It's Anno Domini 325, the year of our Lord 325. Yes. Um, but after that council, they gets a lot more contention about who's right, who's wrong. Everybody in the church, uh, most every denomination agree, everybody before that is pretty legit. Mm. Um, so he goes through all of the anti-before Nicene, uh, Council of Nicaea, anti-Nicene fathers by topic. Um, wow. uh, random aside, this is actually the only thing I ever sent Owen Benjamin was a copy of this book that he didn't even open and he put on his shelf and I could see it on his bookshelf for like two episodes. Wow. <laughs> um, but the, the whole reason I sent it to him <laughs> is they're talking about, they have a whole section on evolution and on homosexuality and like all of the stuff that we'll get rants about. And you can read the early church fathers and they're making point by point arguments against stuff that's in the news right now today. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you know, women shouldn't lead. It's a husband and wife. What are you stupid? And uh, evolution. There was a guy that proposed a random assortment of atoms accumulated to make humans who then walked around more animalistic, eventually became humans and communicated through grunts and eventually made speech. This is arguments made by Greek philosophers. Yep. That all of the early church fathers are like, no, that's dumb and wrong read genesis do you even bible bruh um, so it's it's untenable for a modern christian to accept evolution in any form because yep, agreed that argument's been around forever and it's been refuted forever it's yep. nothing new under the sun yeah there's like nothing new yeah Solomon was based. dang except man. for all his wives yeah he, he it's you know it's funny so i just uh Last time we talked, I hadn't moved to Tennessee yet, so I got a I've got a little mini homestead now, and I have uh, seven hens oh, and one rooster, and I named the rooster Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to keep them in line, bro. He's got to keep them in line. You know, that's that's magic. Yeah, excellent. So okay, so oh, here's a, here's a question that I um. Okay, so a couple questions about see if you know, know about like r- really early Christianity. Um, so. In I believe in Acts, it says that they were kind of the first churches were like going from house to house. Am I right about that? Uh, kind of. As first far lo- as we know, location, early locations. Church, Acts chapter two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that shows up as like a couple of verses in Acts chapter two, and it's, I mean, early church as in like the church is maybe a week old. Yeah. Um, uh, two thirty-eight. Paul uh, Peter says, "Baptize and repent." Um, and receive the forgiveness of sins. And if we have, uh, there we go, there we go. Boom, it's the end of Acts 2. We're talking like verses 40, 50 ish. There we go. Nope, there we go. Uh, fear camp on every soul. Ah, there we go. 
Uh, Acts 2, 45, uh, 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Um, so it says they were still, uh, it's the weird thing that never gets talked about. So they were still meeting at the temple. It wouldn't be as Herod's temple at this time. Um, performing sacrifices, and that's wow. like one of the places they get arrested. Peter and James are going to the church, not James the brother of Christ, James the apostle, um, in the the start of three, where they heal a guy. You know, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to you. Rise up and walk. And uh, the dudes, the dudes healed as they're on their way to the temple to give sacrifice because that's still established by God. So they're still meeting together at a temple as well as in homes. Um. So the, but yeah, they, I think Christians should be meeting at homes and having potlucks because it also said they were regularly breaking bread. So it's, um, Christian potlucks as well. Do you know when the first church location that outside of someone's house was started? Like when he's writing to the, the people in Corinth, did they have a building? I, I don't know off the top of my head. The earliest building that is a church, this will be in the, uh, Biblical archaeology uh, department of, of study, if you want to research on your own, um, you'd be looking for architectural finds of dedicated church buildings and the earliest one they find. And I, oh, I remember the, it was a thing in my class. I, I got to take a semester of biblical archaeology as a class. It was pretty awesome. Um, I want to say it's in the two to three hundreds, though. It was, mm. it was fairly early as far as those things go. Um, also, one of the ways you do know it's a church is it has a dedicated baptistry. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> uh, we were talking about the, that. We were talking about that that debate before uh, before you got on. Yeah, but they didn't they didn't lay them backwards. They put their hand on their head and, and push them under, and they would they would sort of fold down under because that's how Christ came down off of the cross was mm. the primarily the way they did it. Um, if, so if it's, I, the methodology if, was different. If I may, to me, I don't know. This is just how it seems or how it feels to me. So that 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 carries like very little weight. But like to me, the two or three hundred seems late to me, not early. As far as like, wouldn't you think that they like would establish a location that got preserved pretty quick after after Christ? It's probable. Um, I mean, just looking at you don't want to. There's some differences um, between now and then, obviously. But you have, right off the gate, you have 3,000 people um, meeting. I mean, Jesus during his ministry would gather crowds of thousands easily. Um, And even nowadays, you see, like, church plants will start with a couple hundred, and they'll already need an auditorium at a school to, to house that many people in one spot. So I think there's a logistical issue of, at some point, they would have had to have a building larger than a random person's home. Yep. Um, fairly, fairly early. Once again, archaeology isn't what exists. It's the earliest that we've found. Yeah. Um, uh, a fun example is all of these secular atheist theologians would point to Luke. Oh, where it's in Acts. I forget the exact passage. He talks about in Thessalonica, polytarchs as the rulers of the city. And all of the scholars up until about the 60s or 70s said, well, this is an example why Luke is wrong. He made that word up. We've never found it. We don't see it. It doesn't show up in any inscriptions and in any text. He's wrong. He made it up. He's a liar. And then, oh, suddenly around 1960s or so, they start digging up Thessalonica and find uh, an ark 
in one of the city gates that has the word polytarchs and lists a bunch of names of the city rulers on it. And they're like, oh, oh, they don't say anything. They, they just forget about it and they drop that line of argument and they forget that they ever made it. And they memory hole it. Memory hole is really old concept, guys. Yeah. Um, wow. And this so, that's, is, okay. so what was, that word, again? What was that word again? Sorry. Poly. Polytarch. P-O-L-Y-T-A-R-C-H. Okay. Like arc, like ruler, and poly as multiple. It was a council of people, I guess, that ruled the city for that one city of uh, Thessalonica. They were polytarchs. I don't remember the exact date of the archaeological find for the arch at uh, Thessalonica, but you you should have enough keywords to find it in a Google search. Oh, um, this is fascinating. You've got a lot of stuff you can recall, man. I mean, like, it's... It, it doesn't... It's, it's all... It sounds weird. I, I It sounds cliche, rather. This is all God. I don't sit around with memory flashcards like, I need to remember all of this. I just read the stuff, and it sticks in my head. And then somebody asks me, and my brain is like, oh, we have a file on that. And mm. it pulls all the information. Um, I don't... I. It would, it would, it, it, the difficulty is I never tried in school because I would just, I didn't have to. I would sit in class, I'd draw pictures of ninjas and I would ace all the tests and not do my homework and make a D. Yeah. So, um, so what do you, okay. So, you know, I, I've had this denomination conversation with a few people on air already and, I, and a lot of people uh, off air, but um, who, Okay, l- let me ask from sp- – because I want to get into do- denominations a little bit because you mentioned in your stream about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. And, you know, you- you've already mentioned Amish already. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Seventh-day Adventists. Um, there's Mormons and there's all, all the – what I consider – now, I don't m- know much about Amish, but I, that, I was going to say other than that, there's like to me the real denominations. Like I consider, you know, Orthodox, Catholic, and most Protestant to be – Christians. They accept the Trinity. They accept Christ. They, you know, you know, they accept, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, so what are those other ones like Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, Mormons? Are these Christians to you or like, what are those things? It, yeah. What, what's um, your view on that? Or even Unitarians? I, I, so I'm kind of speaking from ignorance a little bit. I kind of feel like if you aren't a Trinitarian, you're not like, to me, you're not a, a Christian because you don't think Christ is, is divine, you know? So what's your take on that? So, um, nice. That's a big question. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, brief, brief side note. I wanted to mention for, uh, etymology and the meaning of words, uh, a lot of people love saying that church, the people are the church. The building's not yeah. the church. It's the people. Etymologically, that's false. Yeah. Church comes from the German Kirche, comes from the Greek, which is a combination of Kyrios, Oikos, Lord's house, they used to refer to the building they met in. So church is the building, not the people. The people are the assembly. But it's it's a fun little nuance. Right. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people, like I've heard the the church is the people from more people than I have, like more believers that i've talked to than not but i've i looked i actually was one of the few word etymology things i knew is that thing that you just said i discovered that a couple months ago i was like holy crap a lot of people get this wrong it's but once again though is a difference of usage of language versus the etymology they're not always matched people Mm. when they say church are talking about that we gather on sunday for this experience and nobody cares about the dirt the steel girders the drywall this is just stuff. We're here for these people. But this gathering only takes place because we have some material logistics around us. 
Mm. Um, it's it is a fuzzy, but yeah, etymology etymologically, it's it's fun to poke uh, poke some jabs at it. At it. <laughs> a neat way to understand the difference between language and meaning the the word that you hear versus the actual meaning the person intends as they speak to you is a kid's book called Frindle, uh, which is essentially a children's book uh, aimed at teaching how to cast a spell, uh, in essence. Um, but a kid makes up a word for pen and then gets the word in the dictionary of the, uh, spoiler alert, I'm very sorry if you didn't read that in elementary school. Mm. Um, but it's, it's directed at kids, it's Frindle, it's a fast read for an adult. Um, and it's kind of fun, but it shows you how language and meaning can change over time. And the usage of humans right now is what's more important for immediate communication. Yeah. And that can be different from the exact etymology or where a word came from. Right. Um, and it's important yeah. to know that distinction and define terms within a debate and stuff. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I, I actually, a year ago, that's maybe one of the biggest things that's, ch that's changed about me in like a year, maybe less, is I used to word and label police a lot more. Now I'm just like, dude, like we're trying to talk here. We're trying to yeah. talk here. So like, I mean, it's important to be smart and know your definitions and it, it's fun to know this stuff and things like that. But it's like, dude, you, we're trying to communicate meaning here. And that's a sticky thing that changes all the time. It's very fleeting. So it's like important you, to be cool about this stuff. Yeah. You want to have, it's important to, within a conversation, have a working definition that you at least know what that person intends when they use that word. Mm. Um, but if you don't know that game is going on, you two can be talking past each other. Yeah. And being like, why doesn't he get it? Well, you both have different definitions of the same word and you're yelling at each other, but you actually agree. That's not every disagreement, but it's like half many. Um, it's, it's and so lot. it's important yeah. to just know that game is going on to say, to recognize, oh, he thinks I mean this other thing. When I use this word, we both thought we understood. Then you can clarify it. And the discussion has more in, in uh, more purposeful and meaningful exchange. Mm -hmm. um, now cults and denominations. Um, a good reference and primer work is a work by a guy named Walter Martin, Kingdom of the Cults. And uh, it's sort of the benchmark standard. He's the first guy who sat down and wrote a book on all of the different denominations and things that may or may not be cults. What's a denomination? And he lays out, I forget his criteria, but he lays out like a five or seven point criteria for things required to be a cult. Um, essentially, though, it's do you... Uh, remove the deity of Christ, do you place other things as equal or greater authority to uh, God and the Bible in your teachings? And do you elevate any living human to the position of Christ? Mm. Um, and he has some other stuff and some technical nuance. And he was really tight buddies with a Seventh-day Adventist, so he treats them very softly. Um, and Seventh-day Adventists are an interesting mixed bag because boots on the ground level, you'll meet some very good, well-meaning people. And then at the higher levels, you meet people that are aware they're teaching nonsense. And there's some random lady from the 1920s they listened to who wrote a handful of books that she basically rephrased scripture, ranted about the government, and included popular health trends at the time as doctrinal teachings. Um, <laughs> it winds up with everybody being vegan. Wow. <clears throat> it's it's weird um but the uh that's actually the branch vidians in waco yeah. are branched from seventh-day adventists okay 
So, so, and the guy who started that was such a persuasive arguer that the people that were Seventh Day Adventists, the council of leading that at the time, said, "Dude, you're crazy." They refused to debate him because mm. everybody that would debate him came over to his side and believed what he said mm. within within their denomination. Um, so, understanding the Bible the way they do creates some weird ironclad argument for people that want to go live on a mountain and wait for comments and things. But are they Trinitarians? Uh, yes, they're, they, they're essentially Judaizers is really yeah, the yeah. biggest let, thing. Let me wrong. ask you something about that. I have a big, okay. So, okay. So, so why is the Sabbath Sunday now? I mean, I'm kind of, I kind of know the answer. So I'm, I'm kind of doing like devil's advocate a little bit. I know we have some like messianic, types torah types that listen to the program why is the lord's day sunday um the answer comes from tevia in fiddle on the roof tradition tradition that's what um yes so so the the biblical structure for that argument is they gathered on the lord's day lord's day is the day that christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week on sunday and that's what institutes our reverence of the Lord's Day being Sunday morning. The other issue you have with the seventh day, um, which is, is one of the picadellas of the Seventh-day Adventists, is they have church on Saturday and they worship God on the Sabbath. Um, the seventh day from what? You have to start counting seven from day one. That's what I'm Where yes. is your day one? Because we're on the Gregorian calendar right now. I've never heard a Seventh-day Adventist address that. Like, yeah. what? we're using the Gregorian calendar. Do you use the Hebrew calendar? And do you have an unbroken right. Hebrew chronology back to 404 BC that you can go yes. one to the revising seven, one to the revising seven, and know that your Sabbath day is on the proper Sabbath day and that you're actually celebrating Passover on the 14th of Nisan correctly? Uh, Dude, exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. So was, we're all so guessing. Last year, so last year I had a little bit of a – like I'm still struggling with denominations. Like I'm, I mean, I, I don't have my mind made up cause I haven't been like baptized and I'm still looking for a church. Um, but I've been through like, I mean, I became a Christian, you know, I, or like, I don't know. I, I gave my life to Christ again, as they say in March of 2019. And since then it's been just a, a dumpster fire of just like learning stuff. It's been fun though. I mean, I, I, I read yeah. all the time. I read the Bible all the time. I read the early church fathers. I I've, I've looked at the mm -hmm. ecumenical councils a little bit. And I've talked to like people I respect, but last year I went through a little bit of like a Torah messianic phase. Um, and then I discovered then I came to the exact realization, not with all these different calendars. I was like, how do these people know that the Monday today is the same Monday as in as the year like you know 100 bc like how do they know that like do they know that and also then i d discovered like you said tradition and i was like there was a church an institution that jesus started in those early days that was like it was one church as well it wasn't it wasn't like yes. you know, it certainly wasn't 30,000. I, I know that number is probably a little big, but that's what the, the Catholics and the Orthodox like to say that 30,000 is the number of Protestant denominations. I don't know if that's true, but that's the number I, they say. I haven't counted, but I, there are at least 30,000 different versions of Baptist. So I, I don't doubt, <laughs> I don't doubt it's a lot. And there are ones that don't count as denominations. Like the, uh, the Bible college I went to is with the Christian church churches of Christ. And they weren't technically a denomination until like 10 years ago. 
Um, and so they wouldn't have been counted. Um, you've got 8,000 kinds of non-denominational that technically aren't denominations. Are you counting those denominations? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Who knows? It's, it's an unending malaise. I personally, I am a Christian. I follow Christ and I read the Bible and do what I find there. And then I try and find a local body of believers that is at least 75, 50 to 75% on the same page as me. Mm. I'm going to win during the sermons, but I need everybody that when I go there, it should feel like a family. And you know, those churches that like the, the doctrine will be all crazy, but you go there and you're like, everybody acts like I'm a brother and they've never met me before. This is fellowship. You can feel it. There's a spirit that's there. Um, that might not be there in other places. And you just, that's, that's what I at least look for. And I try and make sure I'm not wincing too badly in the sermons uh, because there are other churches where the doctrine is on point, but you, you feel like you're at a funeral the whole time and everybody has all these clicks and no one talks to each other. And you're like, this just it feels wrong. I feel empty the whole time I'm here. Um, hmm. I personally, my test of fellowship is I try to keep the one that Jesus had. And um, his own family showed up and he said, I don't know those people who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters, those who seek and do the will of God. And so I take it on a case by case basis when I meet somebody and it's clear to me that they're genuinely searching. What does the Bible say? What does God want from me? What, how do I make my life better? How do I follow God better? How do I do this thing more? And we'll be way off base on a lot of stuff from each other doctrinally, but there's this, this unity there where like, yeah, you get it. Mm. Um, and that's one of those guys is a, a Torah person, uh, breath of mm. fresh bear. I think he's probably changed it since then, since Owen's just a, a massive heretic now. Um, it's unreal, but, man. Uh, it's unreal. What, what happened in the last like eight months or like, I guess is yeah. the first time he, uh, he said like the, the, the Trinity's gay. <laughs> it was like in October of last year. That, well, we can't bring it up and not to talk about it, but I want to keep it as brief as possible. It can, it can dominate the he said, she said, yep. turn into girl drama. Um, I believe concisely he needed to humble himself and become Catholic. And when he didn't, it threw him headlong into the Arianism of his German ancestors. Mm. And you could see all of that blaspheming brought James True, a man that any, any born-again Christian could watch and see that he's possessed by a demon. Um, and just has, he knows how the world really works. And then he twists it to capture his audience in the evilest way. It's, there's no way a normal human is that smart without extra help from outside. Mm. And uh, that guy got real close to him real fast. And then he had this backlash where he had to, he had to cut and burn James True. Because uh, I think he felt in his heart what happened. But that showed up right after he had just the whole blasphemy tirade. And he still goes on one from time to time, but he did tone it back quite a bit. And uh, it is what it is. He's clearly searching, and he's just uncomfortable with any sort of control. And, uh, I mean, he says he's a smart guy, and then he won't take the time to do his own research. Like, I'm yeah. a freaking electrician, and I've got seven kids now, and uh, I work full-time as an electrician. I don't sit at home on my farm that other people paid for and think about what to say on a live stream every day crack a freaking book i said you want an early church doctrine bruh yeah I get mean, reading the the, the early church stuff is mind-blowing once you're like these are like the the people that you know 
I mean, the people that Jesus, you know, trained or taught or whatever, that's in the Bible. And then we have access to the generation right after that. You know, that's yeah. like. And you're, if you read it long enough, you're going to start prayer veiling and crossing yourself because it's all in there. Yeah. Wow. So the dictionary so, of early Christian beliefs, uh, David Burkott. Okay. Uh, we so, don't practice the prayer veiling. My wife talks to other people at church, but they were hardcore and serious about very little, literally they took aspects of the, the scripture. Yeah. I mean, okay. So what, um, okay. So do you, you haven't really said it yet, but I, I think I asked you last time, oh, but I, I didn't, I didn't listen to our previous conversation. Do you have like a declared denomination? I do not. You do if not. I had to declare a denomination, it's Puritan or Neo-Puritan. Mm. If, if you want to classify me. Puritan that, or Neo-Puritan. Puritans tend to be a little more on the, on the, the Calvinistic side of things. And uh, some of those, um, like the, the understanding of original sin, I find untenable in light of Scripture. So I, I disagree. I, I diverge slightly from uh, classical Puritan theology, but they were based. They knew about a lot of stuff. Mm. um if if you had to categorize my belief system but uh you know i'm a millennial man we don't do labels yeah do you do you believe in do you believe in like the apostolic succession i mean obviously there was one there was one but do you what do you what importance do you place on that and like i guess what in in that i mean you can ask them you can answer them kind of separately i guess it's i got a lot of big questions and we could probably like dedicate i mean people write books about like every one of these questions i'm asking you know like but like what denomination were the first Christians is kind of what I'm getting at. What denomination gotcha. did they, did they closely? Cause I'm, I'm kind of like fast cause I'm kind of discerning between Orthodox and Catholic right now, you know, and I, I'm not, I don't know what the future will, will hold, but I, you know, I've seen some, you know, a few passages in the Bible where I, it seems to me that sola scriptura kind of refutes itself that, that sola scriptura isn't biblical because it doesn't say, that because I believe in a tradition as well. Like I believe that that like there was an authority outside of the Bible it, at one point. I mean, Jesus wasn't a piece of paper. Jesus was a right. uh, was was right. man and God. You know, so like that's what became I'm, flesh. Your word became flesh. Yeah, but he wasn't a piece. He wasn't of paper. talking about vellum. Yeah, he was what? He wasn't talking about vellum. It's, I don't know. What that is. Vellum is is animal skins. <laughs> That you would write on before they had paper, and some of the early church manuscripts, oh. the early biblical manuscripts. Were on I swear, it's, you're the smart, you're the smartest electrician, dude. You're, I'm going to say that until I find a smarter one, at least. There, <laughs> there are different forms of intelligence. Um, I, I don't have great people skills. This is studied. Um, I'm a little on the spectrum, just a <laughs> little, fine. and I, I had to it. basically teach myself how to how to talk, how to people. Um, on a side note, if you're that kind of person, Art of Charm, go to their earliest podcasts, and there's a lot of good stuff there um, Charm. For, for, for people skills. Okay. They, they were early on, they were like a dating hookup podcast, and they realized that being a good person and forging genuine relationships was the best way to get girls that were worth having. Mm. Um, so that's, that's where I, I um, sort of self-studied my people skills. It's a, it's a shorthand that helps. Also, Vox Day is legit on the sociosexual hierarchy. I really think that's um, good, But it's too. more dispassionately how to deal with people and not have to think about them. Um, but it does help you if you're the type that doesn't understand how jocks interact with each other. 
Mm. understand that that sociosexual hierarchy is going on in the background as a subroutine. They're not consciously doing it. Sure. They're acting that out as, and they're just, it's how they're hardwired by God. And some of us are different in that we didn't get any of that hardwiring. We had to understand it superficially and go, Oh, I will act accordingly. So you don't throw me out of society. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's an element of that. I think it's that itself is a spectrum, right? Because I think there's like any weirdo yeah. on the internet, it has a little bit of like, well, I mean, you have to change the way you behave sometime, you know, like yeah. every person have to, has to do that a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, because your, your home has its own subculture. Once you go out into the world, there's a subculture in your specific town versus your state versus your yeah. corner of the U.S. versus the U.S. in general and in the world. Yeah. Um, then you, it's just sort of exploring how many microcosms you're a part of. And the, the more you get exposed to different cultures and different people, um, the more you understand sort of about yourself. Uh, multiculturalism as an ideology is awful. It is useful for an individual person to experience as many yes. different cultures as possible. Yes, this is Because a good way now you have it. different ways of viewing your own culture. You can understand yourself better. Yeah. And you understand what strengths and weaknesses that you bring to the table. Um. God made different nations for a reason. So each nation now has good and bad things about it. Uh, just like each person has character flaws and strengths of their, their personality that they have that contribute to the, the whole tapestry. Mm. Um, Fascinating. So, yeah, yeah. So, ba- so back to, back to the question. So, 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 you know, <laughs> I, I believe in, in, you know, I believe that scripture is an authority and also the tradition. I mean, I don't know. I don't think one necessarily trumps the other. I'm still working this thing out in my brain, but like, so what, what denomination do you think the first Christians were closest to? And how do you see the whole, I mean, I think it's, it's self-evident from the Bible that there was a human authority. I mean, God, I mean, Jesus gave, uh, the apostles, the ability to, to forgive sins, uh, do miracles. And there wasn't, they didn't lay a book on them. They didn't let lay a, a, scri- yeah. a piece yeah. of scripture on them. So to me, it's like, if you believe in sola scriptura, you can't, that's what, that's what I've kind of come, come d- down to. It's, it is an interesting question. And that's the goal, the way the secular humanists are always like, let's search for the historical Jesus. And they usually find out that he didn't exist. Um, a lot of the sincere people looking, your, your goal is to find out what did the new Testament church believe? Because I want to believe that. We all agree that that's what we want to believe. That's what we're trying to find. Um, and so uh, I, uh, the wisest Bible college professor I ever heard is Mr. Pelfrey. I will quote him forever. And he constantly said, I don't know, and neither does anybody else. And uh, that's a perfect Pelfrey impression for those of you that know him. The, like, two people in the U.S. <laughs> um, and you just, we don't know we weren't there. And so now we're forced to use our cross-reference of what do we find in Scripture with what do we find in history? Where does our history come from? Church tradition. Um, From the way I read the Bible, which is, yeah, that's immediately sort of a sola scriptura. um, I, I can only use the intellect God gave me and view the information put in front of me. And I have no way to objectively verify the veracity of the things in front of me, except how much I can see it correspond with the actual tangible world around me. Um, I don't know that blue letter Bible isn't secretly changing every third word of the Bible. They show me. Mm. 
Mm. I have no way of knowing my paper Bible printed in the 1990s, my Thompson chain reference King James Bible is superior to all of the Bibles. Like I have no idea that if that was messed up, if that plagiarized, is the Tectus Receptus even a thing that exists in time and space? I don't know. Um, we can go on the I don't know train for forever. Uh, and at some point, you have to just pick things that make the most sense and coalesce them into what is actually true. Uh, that's, a re- that's, that's a really small way to lead into that answer. Um, the biggest thing is, I don't know. If you take church tradition, the only logical outcome is Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox. Yep. Or one of the other variants of, of Orthodox, Coptic, like Coptic. Or, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, those are those are the only logical places to come out when you take church history as written as a hundred percent accurate church tradition. Even even if you put it on par with scripture, if you don't put it above the Bible and put it on par with the Bible, you still wind up with Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, or one of the the variants of Orthodoxy um, that that predate the the Great Schism in five five hundred something. Ten fifty four. But, oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's way later than that. That's right. I'm always surprised by how late it was. I yeah, thought it was a lot earlier. It's crazy, right? They're like just barely about ready to go on crusade at that right. point. That's Jeez. crazy. It's it's nuts, man. It was so late. Relevant relevant plug, Real Crusades history on YouTube is fantastic for anybody curious about an overlap of early uh, Catholic and Orthodox history. Um, he uses primary sources only and constructs historical narratives based on primary sources real crusades history all one word youtube it, it's amazing um there's a lot of overlap of early church history integrated in that and there's a lot of misinformation about the crusades crusades were based um yes sir if you take sola scriptura as your only authority and you remove church tradition as an you put bible over church tradition then you know let's not get rid of church let's say church tradition is subject to scripture um you still wind up with these traditions were created by bible believing individuals men and women of god who genuinely believed that this certain practice this specifically worded prayer this way of viewing the world was the best way to preserve the earliest theological understanding of the bible and of christ's teachings as given to them um, so you still wind up with sort of a Catholic supremacist or Orthodox supremacist viewpoint that even if it's not binding before God doctrinally, it's still the best way to view the Bible mm-hmm. um, because well, they're closer in time. They're closer in time to the original language. They're closer in time to the historical teachings. They're closer in time in the telephone game to the original teachings. Right. So their understanding is likely to be closer than yours. Yeah. Um, And the only way to come up with a sola scriptura Protestantism that winds up spiraling out of control into secular humanist enlightenment period is to throw out church scripture entirely um, and say that this is dubious history written by a bunch of sociopathic liars and retards that didn't know what they were talking about. And we know better thousands of years later and we have the proper understanding of the original languages even though they grew up reading and writing um which i find intellectually untenable just from a scholarly standpoint 
because uh, you'll sit there all day and dig up ancient texts about Caesar and um, Alexander the Great. They've got less than a paragraph of material on these guys, and all of it was written 300 years after their death. But thousands of copies of manuscripts written within 100 years of Jesus the man himself is untenable for Scripture. Thousands of copies of original manuscripts written within 200 years of the early church teachings isn't good understanding of what the church understood and taught in the New Testament. You still wind up with a Catholic or Orthodox supremacist viewpoint in that their doctrine is most likely to be correct, even if you don't agree with single specific tenets of it. Mm. And go, I think the church added this because it shows up in a 1000 AD uh, ecumenical council, or this happens after the schism, or this happens and there's a disagreement over it. Not the whole church understood. Um, there's, you still wind up with those are more likely going to be correct those understandings of the world and how it operates okay um i personally so jesus handed this whole thing over to illiterate fishermen yep i was gonna ask about that you mentioned that in your in your stream that that like peter a, was illiterate is the greek word in uh in acts let me find so assuming this is an accurate adjective used and it wasn't used metaphorically which i don't think it was um moses true fathers uh it's unlearned they were unlearned and ignorant men marveled acts 413 there we go oh excuse me uh boldness peter perceived they're unlearned and ignorant men interlinear boom 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 Double checking. A grammatoi s yeah, asin, a grammatoi asin, kai idiotai. Yeah. Um unlearned and ignorant men in the King James. This I'm a King James supremacist, by the way. Um <laughs> I, I think the apocrypha is best used um rather than forgotten, because there's a lot of context for stuff that you lose. Um but I'm a King James supremacist as far as English translations go. Okay. I think the Texas Receptus, the received text Erasmus used, is closer um, than the stuff reconstructed by closet Fabian. Uh, yeah, it's Fabian Marxist, um, Fabian socialist, the, the, the closet Marxist using critical theory and textual criticism to discern magically what the, the New Testament said. And all of these thousands of Byzantine manuscripts don't know what they're talking about, even though they literally have the Greek language as their language and have thousands right. of copies. We're going to ignore the majority texts, even though it's 99% of all texts. Sorry, it's not a tangent. I, um, I, I, real it. quick, I, I, I can see why you gave up the, um, the follow the leader thing. Cause this, this stuff gets you charged up, man. I mean, you can really it's riff my on this jam. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This the is really cool. The ambiguous, like self-help dad life felt so superficial. And I'm like, I, I feel this is the right direction. But that click that says calling isn't there. And then I started doing the blue collar Bible scholar like series. And I'm just like, I could talk for an hour about Leviticus. Yeah. Okay. True. By the way, my most listened to stream on uh, or, um, my most listened to podcast on audio Mac, bizarrely. Mm. <laughs> um, what is Leviticus? Uh, an electrician talking about Leviticus. Go figure, right? Um, so a grammatos is etymologically a, the prefix not, and grammatos, the word for letter. Uh, think grammar, 
think um, telegram, telephone, gram, grammar, writing um, is the word for letter. They're unlettered men, ignorant, uh, illiterate, you might say. Uh, so Jesus handed over this whole bag to illiterate fishermen he may have only spent three years with. Um, Irenaeus, who's one of the earliest, uh, his pedigree as far as scholarship, uh, or as far as tutelage is the best, because he goes to Polycarp, who go, or Polycarp. So he goes to Polycarp, who goes to John, uh, the apostle, and he says Jesus was crucified at 50-ish. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Wow. I, I just, I've heard that I put as well. It in the, but... I don't know bucket. Yeah. Gravy. Um, that is some gravy. So, so, okay, gravy. so they were, so, so just to kind it's of. against heresy. For those of you that are curious, dig up the uh, Irenaeus Against Heresies audio book. It's somewhere about halfway through. Yeah, You'll also learn yeah. more than you ever wanted to know about first century Gnosticism. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway, I, that's next on that my he, list. Yeah. Because I read, I read on the, incarna- on the incarnation by, uh, by Athanasius. I think I've read it like four times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, it's so good, man. Um, yeah, but, I gotta, uh, I get again on that one. I, I haven't got to that one. Yeah. Um, th- anyway. Seriously, if if you're even almost interested in this, and you have a day job where it's mostly manual skills, pop in your earbud. There are thousands of free audiobooks. LibriVox is an amazing resource. Thousands of free audiobooks all over YouTube. Pull one up, stick it in your ear. I went through Augustine City of God in like three or four days of just listening to chess sections over and over again because I'd miss something or I'd zone out or somebody would talk to me and I'd just drop the earbud and miss out like five chapters. Um, but it's it's just awesome. Um, Augustine is legit, by the way. He owns some ancient pagans hard. Uh, he's so smart. He's quoting no, no references, no texts. He's just reciting and he had to have read it and then remembered where it was and then copied by hand as he's writing it. To say, oh yeah, Virgil said here, just like the Bible says, but Pluto says here, and he's owning these guys with their own scriptures, left and right. And he's like, oh man, it sure looks like all of your heretic pagan professors that you all say are the best and brightest agree that there's a single God who rules everything, who's involved in human affairs, who would at some point have to come in the flesh to interact with us and bring us to him. It sounds a lot like what the Bible says, just saying. I'll leave that there for you. Um, it's legit. So the apostles, the apostolic succession, yep. the authority of the church. We're coming back to it. We're coming back to it. Um, <laughs> these are ignorant fishermen. Yeah. These are ignorant fishermen that Jesus handed his whole shebang to. Yes, they're inspired by God. Yes, he gave them a special call and purpose. I can't help but get hung up on John in his upper room discourse. The upper room discourse, which is uh, the gospel of John uh, 14. It's like just right at the tail end of 13. It's 14, 15 and 16. And then in 17, he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and starts praying. And you can say that that whole diatribe is while he's talking to only the apostles in the room. John is one of the apostles in the room. And if it was only for them to know at the end of his life, why does he write it down and give it to the whole church and say, guys, this didn't make it into any of the other gospels, and it's very important. He flies over years of Jesus's ministry in a chapter or two, by a couple chapters, by a couple chapters, here, there, here, there, and then stops and one night spends about a chapter, an hour of that night 
on the conversation they had. And Jesus is saying, I won't be with you for long. You will have the spirit. The spirit will tell you what to say when you go before great men. You will do the greater things than I. I'm the vine, you're the branches. That whole thing. And Jesus ends with a nod towards us in the ultimate, um, in, the, in the ultimate sort of Bibleception moment, talks through thousands of years of time to you reading the Bible when he prays in Gethsemane that this is not just for them, but I pray also for those that will believe because they are told. And that puts us in that whole context in the upper room passage where he talks about being full of the Holy Spirit. He talks about going and performing miracles, talks about having authority on the earth. And it, I can't help but get this sense that whatever the apostles had, we're as Christians at least supposed to have a part of it. Mm-hmm. supposed to have a, a, an echo or semblance of what they have because the entire rest of scripture, God's whole recurring argument is I'm special. You're not, you're all just a dude. And the only people are special are special because I told them and they're special because I picked them, but they're just random guys. They're just a dude. Everybody's just a dude. You're not special. Hmm. you're special because I love you, but I love everybody. So everybody's kind of the same special. And I pick a couple for special missions. And it, the, the whole, uh, the whole of acts, it gets really fuzzy. All of a sudden, they're not just 12 apostles. They replace a 12th apostle with Matthias. And then like three chapters in, they're calling other people, this Paul guy who got knocked off a horse apostle. They're calling Jesus's brother apostle. They're calling a whole bunch of uh, Barnabas as an apostle somehow out of nowhere. Um, it seems like it's this title or mantle that can be given and it's passed by laying out of hands, but it seems like it's something that should be available or a portion of it's available to every believer. Yeah, but, but, um, but just to, I don't just to understand it fully, but just to just to ask a question about that, though, if if yeah. there's a difference between it being available to everyone and it being like present in an, any, everyone. And I think that's true like on its face, because if it was just available and like accessible to everyone, then there would be no such thing as laying on of hands. And they wouldn't, he wouldn't say, you know, you know, thou art Peter, right. you're the rock on which the church is built. And they, he wouldn't say to Paul, when Paul had his vision, he said, you're Paul, or actually he's talking to, uh, Ananias, the guy that Paul goes to see, he yes. says, Paul is my, 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 he's my, my chosen instrument. So, I mean, I got to push yeah. back that there's not, there's got to be some sort of hierarchy. I mean, that, you know, I, I, I don't even mean like, because the Orthodox don't believe in a Pope. I mean, but they do believe in a hierarchy. Right. And also in the epistles, they talk about elders, bishops, presbyter, like that. there is a hierarchy there. So I agree with you that it's accessible for everyone, but it can't be present for anyone, everyone. It can't be right. Um, not present in every believer, but there are, there are visible things that are hard to refute that don't make it into the standard scholarly argument about this, mm. that I think at least, at least deserves consideration. Um, understand too, I'm just speaking for my own random opinion. I'm just some friggin' guy. I'm an electrician that yells at his yeah. camera at his phone while he drives home from work a couple every you know, couple months. Um but the uh the Pentecostal churches, there's a lot of them. 
that have medically documented miracles, cancerous tumors that'll be the size of grapefruit that disappear overnight, bones that are broken in x-rays that will be healed the next day the guy came in to get another x-ray yeah. that doctors can't explain. There are, nobody talks about this in modern media, which is one of the reasons I'm really bothered by it because I'm like, there's something here. I can't tell you what's here. I don't know. But there's something. There's more than nothing. And there are books after books that Pentecostal scholars will write. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. There are a lot of things I disagree with uh, with a gentleman named Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah. He's a Messianic, um, right? He crossed, he's, uh, he's a Messianic Jew, um, or I like to say a Jew because he's an Israel. He's a, uh, actually in Israel now because he follows Christ. Um, he crossed swords with E. Michael Jones yep. a while back. I if anybody that. listening knows him, that's that's the only way they'll probably know him. Um, and that was a that was a weird orchestrated hit. I watched both call and response videos back and forth, and uh, Doctor Brown is clearly playing some games there. Put that aside. Listen to the arguments. Don't um, don't use the uh, ad hominem. Don't use ad hominem to pre-select what you're going to listen to. He has books that have footnotes to public medical records, to testimonies by licensed doctors. He has multiple books. You'll have to look it up. I forget the names of them. But he has books that are medically documented miracles that are impossible and from Catholic doctrine should be impossible from a Protestant to perform. Um, but Jesus says the miracles are evidence of my ministry. We do not see Satan healing physical ailments. Jesus, everywhere he goes, is healing physical ailments. Um, also, side note, a lot more people would be Catholic if people were healed by touching handkerchiefs that the bishop held. So the Catholic Church is missing something that they should reclaim somehow. It's in Acts. It's a side reference in Acts. You guys will have to look it up. Man, this is mind blowing. This is man. This really gives me a lot to think about because like this is it's, de- deeply. It's something. It's a data point nobody yeah. talks about. That this is verified in reality. There are conferences that go on that nobody talks about. I got. I still have to go to one just to witness it. Yeah, you can make fun of the crying and falling over and push people down. People shaking as they cry, spasming out with their tongues. People are being healed, though. There are bones that are being mended. Tumors are disappearing. Uh, people that will have had cataracts go away. There are documented medical things and ailments that will disappear forever because of what's going on in these places, in these healing conferences, in these different conventions, in these Catholic, uh, in these Pentecostal churches. Um, and it's it's just a data point that you should have when you do your decision making when you when you take and balance all of these different things, you have to look at it. Um, I know the Catholic church has this pride of rationalism, this sin of rationalism um, that you pride will hold up your own intellect. God gave us a brain to think. And it's important for us to use our reason in tandem with our faith. This is a quine in theology. Um, and so, you know, if you join a denomination because you think it's about right, I don't understand everything. Um, that's okay if you don't understand everything and you go, I'm willing to accept what this teaches on faith. 
But if you already believe, based on evidence, that certain fundamental doctrines are wrong, you would become a liar if you joined that church. You would become instantly a heretic. You wouldn't have actually officially joined the church if you suppress your own reason and go, I believe that wrong to be genuinely inaccurate. Um, but I will simply just lie and say, I believe it to join. That's disingenuous. And that's, that's also a sin. Or you would join officially, then instantly be a heretic. I forget the technical definition. Um, apostate would be that you, uh, you don't believe at all. Heretic would be you, you did believe for a while. No, apostates, you left the faith. Yep. Heretic is you were a member of the faith and then changed your belief away from it. I don't even know if there's a technical term for somebody who disingenuously joined while not actually subscribing to all of the fundamental tenets of the faith. Um, Cause I, I don't currently hold doctrinally tenable based on the Bible, based on even some church traditions and history that um, the typical understanding of original sin is accurate uh, or even biblical. And I don't think that as articulated original sin, um, there's something wrong with the fallen world. Um, but as articulated typically as an Augustinian doctrine, I don't think he's accurate on original sin. And the perpetual virginity of Mary, um, I find untenable, even on some early church traditions backgrounds. Really? Um, but it's th these are things to argue about and think about. But like you can't then join any of these other denominations unless you then find information that convinces you genuinely otherwise. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you would be you have a disingenuous conversion to be lying. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, man. That's like the <clears throat> I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to like declare anything that I don't actually believe, or like I just I'm not, I'm not trying to lie to God. That's like I, that. That's a story from Acts that I don't want to be a part of. You know, where they sell the. You no. know what I mean? I'm just not trying to lie to God. Right. And also, like right now, I'm like not really. I don't really believe in the like so-called invisible church. You know, that's you know. The, the, that's that's a that's a, a doctrine that I think gets really slippery. Mm. Um, also, yeah, a lot of Pentecostals will talk about being slain in the spirit. None of them talk about Ananias and Sapphira. Um, for those of you that don't know, they get struck dead uh, by Peter for having lied about how much money they gave to the church. So, you know, those of you who talk about, you know, can't preach about giving money to the church. Uh, Peter, the Holy Spirit has some people killed over it. So I, I think it's okay to talk about giving money to the church. Um, but the invisible church doctrine, for those of you who aren't familiar, as a Protestant, you have to account for why your current doctrinal teaching is that all Catholics go to hell. Uh, and then you have to look back through history and say, well, how did I become a Christian if everybody who could have possibly shared it with me is a heretic that's in hell? So then you say, well, maybe there's this invisible church that God's true church is hidden inside of the Catholic Church, and they were there the whole time. And then you point to the Anabaptists, then you point to the Mennonites, then you point to the Lollards and the Puritans. And you say, these people, I kind of doctrinally agree with, like 45% of what they say, they were the true church. They were the real Christians. Yeah, but you still have like 400-year gaps between those groups. Um, and you now, thousands of years in the future, with you're just, I'm some guy who read a handful of books, I get to declare as the ultimate authority who is and is not going to heaven. I declare that all Catholics go to hell. And I declare that the true Christians 
are random people a thousand years ago that I still don't entirely understand their doctrine. Those are the real Christians. Um, it's really troubling, man. I, it's really hard. Like, is there an? Do you think there's an answer? I, in general, this is what it means to search out your salvation if you're in trouble. Yeah. To the extent you are intellectually capable, is there are some people, God bless them, they look at it and go, I don't know. I'll pick this Jesus all day. I'll read my Bible. I pray. I got Jesus. And like, that's really the level at which their IQ is capable of functioning. Mm. And they are a hundred percent for God. I personally, everybody agrees. Scripture is divinely inspired. That's an easy case yeah. to make from history, from church traditions. Yes. Like um, no one doesn't believe that. Like no Christian doesn't believe and that. When you take the Bible I find it's important to take the Bible as written, as intended by the author, as understood by the language of the people of that time. This is called, in proper terms, the historical grammatical method. And it's the method of simply looking at the history, looking at the grammar, and saying, what does it mean? And then when you add nothing to the plainly stated truths of the Bible, do not add anything as doctrinally binding for you this once again this is for me i'm not going to start a church of bob that's retarded um but i that's why the message of my channel is you do your own research this is a primer on neophysitism so you know some of the key words some of the structure of the argument now go figure it out for yourself good luck buddy we're all in this together yeah um wherever you come out god bless you but you need to do it in the fear of the lord like Hell depends on it. Right. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at and my journey right now. And the knowingness of your own soul without doubt. Yep. And so that's why my judge is the plainly stated truth of Scripture. Who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters? Those who seek and do the will of God. Are you actively seeking to understand God better? Yep. Are you doing so in a humble fear of the Lord? And then do you immediately adjust your life to fit what you just learned or what you think you understand better. And as long as you're doing that until you die, that's as good as any of us can get. Um, the other thing I will add to that is the oldest traditions are the best traditions. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. Man. <clears throat> well, I'm a Puritan for now. Yeah. That's I, mean, I, I think. Okay. So personally, I think <clears throat> we're going to skip the, well, I mean, okay, let's do the lightning round. We'll make it quick guys. Non-theological stuff. Because I'm like, I'm like, I just got my mind blown. I, I, I got, I'm going to listen back to this and like pray on it, think on it, read on it, all that stuff. But I'm like this, oh, this yeah. is read your, read your Bible, pray every day. Yeah. It's like, a kid's yeah. song. I don't know how many of you grew up in church. A lot of guys are late comers to Christianity. The, the, the best children's church song there is read your Bible, pray every day, yeah. pray every day, this is, pray this, every day, read your Bible, been... pray every day, and you grow, grow grow and then you flip it around true, and you say man. shrink 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 and you'd sit on the floor and then you go stand on your chair and you go up and down read your bible pray every day and god how has this pray? this how, miraculous way of how do you pray rest. do you have a do you like have a rote prayer as well or do you just met it like because there's like silent silent there's rote and then there's just like speaking your mind to god do you kind of do all three because i've been praising um, praying the the rosary a little bit and the jesus prayer from the orthodox a little bit as well as normal prayer and like meditation yeah. well then um, once again, the, the Bible has evidence of all of those. Jesus says, you know, when you pray, 
Um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, that will be done. And like, boom, he gives you a rote prayer to follow. The Psalms, that's what the Psalms are, mm. is 151 rote prayers. So, boom, Psalms. Um, you have rote prayers all over the Bible. Um, Moses throws out a couple. He's got um, some stuff that happens. Yep. That's what the Kyrios uh, Eliasson, the God have mercy. Lord have mercy. Jesus have mercy. Yeah. That's the prayer of the sinner who went away justified in Jesus's parable of the Pharisee and the sinner. You know, woe is me. Uh, have mercy. Have mercy, God, on a sinner like me. And he went away justified before the Lord. So the, or the Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox are like, done. And that's the only Greek in the, in the Latin mass. Kyrie Eliasson. Yeah, yeah um, we sing it, yeah. Oh, what's the adoration of the cross is an excellent YouTube channel. I'm going to throw out. He has a ton of Latin liturgical chants and a ton of Greek chants that you can just listen. They got Kyrie Eliasson on like a seven minute uh, that you can just loop the YouTube video over and over again. That's some of my best drives home with like the mm. windows down blasting it. I, there's, there's just something there. Wow. Um, but when I pray, it's it's a mix of uh, everything because I'm a Protestant. I have no tradition. Um, there are times that there are times that intellectually, you just you're in the moment. You just scream out with your brain to God. You're just like, yes, oh Jesus. When like you have a close call in traffic, or I'm I'm an electrician, so there are times I'm at the top of a ladder and I'm, I'm not exactly following OSHA standards but you have to get the job done and you have a close call and you're just like, dear Lord, thank you that I didn't just die instantly. Then um, it, it moments happen. Um, I mean, people have crippling back injuries from sitting in office chairs for 15 years. So I don't, I don't feel bad about what I do. Um, and I, I'm safe guys, relax, but I'm also a grown man that works. So also relax. The, <laughs> Sorry. There's, there's a, there's a, a way that, or you're in a tense conversation, right? You're a conversation that matters. I'm sure you had a lot of these moments when you uh, had a, had a talk with some elements of our government that we all believe should uh, no longer be, uh, they've exceeded their constitutional authority. No. <clears throat> and so no, you're just no. screaming out to Lord Jesus the whole time you're having those conversations, I'm sure. Um, and uh, also like I, like to thank everybody that was praying for you for that time because it's awesome to see that you're not where everybody else that that had those conversations is right now yeah um no so, comment well we'll move on yeah but like that's you just you cry out in your spirit it during the day um but you also you set aside time jesus said when you pray mm. go into your closet there should be some private space or solitude that you have um that you wake up 10 minutes earlier and spend at least a little bit of time doing something in the Bible. We see people stand, sit, kneel, lay down, prostrate, um, all the above, um, during a single session, you know, during uh, some of the stuff that, uh, Moses does in the Deuteronomy where he has the people like praying and singing and stuff. They're standing at one point or sitting or kneeling. Um, and so, do do any or all of those things, but direct it intentionally to God. Yeah. Mm. Um, I my current framework for human traditions, God exists outside of our human grunty mouth sounds and the meat bags and dirt plate we all live on and experience. 
it's obvious. The reality that is the Lord God in heaven above exists outside of this. And so then we're limited to what we can say, what we can see, and what we can do to understand, to express, and to live in that reality that is clearly above and over uh, the material plane. Mm. I const- I've always praised it um, for myself and for people I'm explaining it to that matter doesn't matter. Now, for those of you Aquinas scholars out there who just winced, I didn't know that Thomas Aquinas famously said matter matters until I saw it on Church Militant when uh, Michael Flores mentioned it. Um, if you're paying attention to any news headlines, Church Militant is uh, definitely a legit one to pay attention to. But I, did, I wasn't aware Thomas Aquinas says matter matters. Um, but I, I say matter doesn't matter with the proviso that it's human will and intent and divine will and intent that causes matter to matter. Mm. If I take a framing hammer and I kill a man with it, you don't know if that's a good or evil act unless you know that that man was in my living room at 3 a.m. I'm in my pajamas and he's wearing a ski mask and a hoodie and blue jeans and just broke a window. And now I'm defending my home. That same event, then if I'm in that guy's house and he's in his pajamas, right? Do the pajamas confer some magic that makes it evil to kill him with a framing hammer? Or I can now kill anybody I want with a framing hammer because I'm in pajamas. The matter is immaterial, the human will and intent and the circumstances that that express and allow us to visibly see the human will and intent causes the material plane to have meaning and spiritual purpose and matter for, you know, lack of a redundant pun. Um, it's, it's what, so matter, the, the meat space isn't as important as what's going on in the spiritual realm that gives meat its meaning and purpose. And if we can do like a quick tangent, by the way, this is what's going on in the modern zeitgeist. Uh, we mentioned, uh, James true earlier. If you're not spiritually fortified, do not listen to him. The man's a sorcerer par excellence. Um, There is a cultural backlash going on right now because secular humanism, atheistic secular humanism is devoid of meaning. It gives perfect rationality to the universe by assuming a couple of fundamental logical flaws. It now gives you perfect rational explanation for the universe. And it's empty of any and all meaning and purpose and spiritual elevation. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it's, or was it, yeah, it might not have been Lewis. It might've been, um, the guy uh, that, that he raved about, I, I forget off the top of my head right now. I'm going to keep moving for, I want to, it's not, anyway, um, uh, orthodoxy, beautiful orthodoxy, that, that guy. Uh, somebody's got his name screaming at me in the chat. I can't do it. Um, keep moving. Um, that it's a child sitting in his father's lap, slapping him in the face. And he could not slap his father in the face if he were not already sitting in his lap. They refuse to acknowledge the spiritual but they have a perfectly rational universe that they live in that's completely devoid of meaning and purpose. Yeah, it's bankrupt. It's culture, like, yeah, it's bankrupt, yeah. It's, it's empty. It's yeah. void. Yeah. And it's eating them. That's why yeah. they latch on to any political cause. Yeah, I've been saying this for like weeks now. Yeah. Yep. They're starving for it. So they attack it like zombies because they're empty inside. And that hunger won't go away. And they don't know why. But it's creating a zeitgeist backlash away from uh, atheistic secular humanism towards raw paganism. Raw paganism 
allows you sin, allows you to no longer still, you're unaccountable to God, but you have full existential meaning and purpose. This rich spiritual world now exists, and you're a part of it. And even the rocks and trees have spirits, but it's completely irrational. Right. But it's full of meaning and purpose, and everything has this transcendent cause. Because yeah, if everything's and special, nothing's you know, special. Nothing special. You're a pagan warlord drinking the blood of his enemies and murdering children and worshiping Moloch. And you're right back there. This is Satan's game. He's, he's raised rationalism that he knows is empty and devoid of meaning and purpose. And he's set up a fall for the zeitgeist. And he's raising up people like this James True a-hole. And, and um, I hate to say it, but uh, there's a lot of gravy there, but Pro Triple Seven's a part of this. Mm. That they abandon Christianity for raw paganism. And there, there's going to be a fall. All of these people are being raised up to catch everybody that's searching for meaning. And they abandon reason and rationality because they're hungry for meaning. And they still don't want to face the shame and the suffering of coming to God in repentance. They want to hold on to their sin. They don't want to have to repent. They just want to cover their shame and still have existential meaning and purpose. And so they go for a fully existential, meaningful existence, but now it's devoid of reason and rationale. And that emptiness then of reason over the thousand year march sets them up to fall back into secular humanism because that's what we saw of the pagans. The Catholics swept it. What's the difference between a Viking warlord and a Norman king? Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Get His name is Clovis. Yeah. Wow. The, his name is Clovis, and he becomes a king. Well, he's a Frank. It becomes a Frank. It's Merovingian dynasty into the Franks. Um, Bro, I got to get you on back on in a couple months, man. I mean, I, I'm sorry, man. This, I, is, I, this, I, is the, this is the game at play. Christianity is the only. It is the only fully thing. rational. Yeah, it's the only rational existentially one. fulfilling meta narrative. The rest are either Bam. empty of reason or empty of meaning and existential purpose. Yeah. Well, and this is the Satan push. Satan's constantly push, pull, push, pull. Be afraid of me. Now you react in fear. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to be angry. No, rage, hate, hate me. Yes. Well, no, I need to pull back and not hate you. Be afraid. He's constantly pushing and pulling. Wow. Because when you're balanced, when you're centered, when you are not afraid and you fear God only, but you do not hate, but you will not yield and you have a fervent, you have a, uh, you have a, a zeal to righteousness, as Peter talks about in chapter two. Um, then you're untouchable, you're unassailable, but it's just like in a fight, you have to be balanced. You have to, if you're too far forward, the enemy can pull you in for grapple. If you lean too back, it can have uh, a flurry of punches that causes you to fall over and stumble backwards. You have to be balanced. You have to be centered. You can't and do the same it alone. thing in our spirit. Yeah, you cannot God do gave it us our physical world to help us understand the spiritual world at play. And you can't do it alone. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, the armor of God, uh, 12 to 18 ish. Um, it's amazing on a, on a lexical level, on a linguistic level, Paul is using the exact vocabulary to describe a Roman legionnaire's specific equipment. Uh, I love the crusader memes with the armor of God and stuff. They're awesome, but he's not talking about a great helmet, a kite shield. He's talking about the Roman suit of armor and specifically the word for shield refers to the Roman tower shield. If you want to understand power of the roman tower shield if you want to understand the intention and purpose of the shield of faith 
watch the movie Gladiator. Mm. The very first fight in the Colosseum where Marcus uh, or Maximus or whatever is fighting with a group of random right. soldiers. Those shields they're using, it's the perfect picture because he says, this is a unit of men. Half of them don't know what they're doing. And he says, you stick with me, stay together. And the big buff guy who just got done teaching everybody how to fight runs off on his own. And he has a shield of faith and he holds it sideways. It's the Roman tower shield. And he gets, he does pretty well, but ultimately gets wrecked. And the yeah. group of guys that don't know anything, their shields are flat on the edges and fit together. They're flat on the bottom, so they fit over top. And they make uh, testudo, which is Latin for turtle. Um, Google, Google image search testudo. T-E-S-T-E-U-E-D-T-O. Testudo. Testudo. Google, Google spell checking for you. Uh, turtle formation, Roman legion. You'll find it. Um, but it's a group. Oh, you're, you're probably doing it now. I forgot yeah, yeah. the magic of but, technology. Yeah, here, here's this, Robert. I, I, I love you, man. I, I have a heart out at eight. Um, so we got to wrap okay. things up pretty soon. It's okay. I love okay. talking okay. to you, man. Like it's a design to fight as a unit and right. it only works properly as a unit. And that's the word, uh, Paul uses. That's from, that's yeah. from, uh, knee to shoulder or whatever, what, as they say in like 300 or uh, whatever. In, yeah. in, uh, yeah, they're using the round shield yeah. from the, the phalanx which is uh, another good example of it. But the specific uh, Roman shield, they're wrecking chariots left and right. Half those guys don't know what they're doing, but they stay together as a unit. Yeah. They move as a team. As one. And it's with that base of operations. They rescue the one lone idiot who didn't know what he was doing, but he, had, he was good, but he didn't know what he was doing. They drag him in. Testudo. Yeah, I just showed the people. So, yeah, I mean, so, like, people in the chat, and I agree with them, is that we got to get you back on. It shouldn't be just every six months. I know we kind of, like, talked about it, like, on the end of – and then in January, kind of getting you on more often. But I would love to check back in just, like, in a couple months or something like that. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. I love yeah, talking to this it. stuff. You can riff on this stuff, man. It's great. Um, and, yeah, this was, like, you know, I was saying earlier, this is, like, a deeply personal – probably the most deeply personal podcast I've ever done because this is, like, direct – this is the biggest struggle in my life right now is like choosing my church, choosing my, my faith. I mean, I, I believe in the basics, you know, inerrancy of scripture, yeah. you know, uh, that people need to don't forsake meeting together as believers. And, you know, um, that Christ is God in the flesh, you know, th- these basics, I'm, I'm a hundred, I would give my life for that stuff, but it's just choosing yeah. what, you know, what the, the true faith is, is, is deeply personal to me. So I, I thank you so much for talking about this stuff with me. No problem. Anytime, man. Yeah. Um, shill your, bo- shill your book. Shill your book. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'll oh, definitely yeah. have you on anytime. If you just want to send me a DM, DM, I mean, I think you DM'd me to come back on this time. So just anytime you well, want to do that. Yeah. Just hit me up. Yeah. I'm working. I'm working during the day at like 10 um, when you're, or well, 10 yeah. Eastern when you're usually on. But every yeah. now and then on my lunch break or I'll see it up and I'll leave it on and stuff it in my pocket and keep working. Cool. Nice. Um, I love hearing that. Yeah. You tell me, you're like, oh, we got to have you on sometime. And then like two weeks went by and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll send him a, yeah. a DM. I was fun thinking about right. it. Um, everything I have is at bluecollarbiblescholar.com. Thank you, Jesus. I was able to land the URL um, in the, in the, the frantic rebrand. Uh, Blue Collar Blind Spot. I think evangelical media is tacitly ignoring systemically. I hate to use their words um uh blue collar culture and uh they're, they're kind of turning us into an unreached people group it's full of a lot of churchy and lingo but if you're a blue collar guy of any sort or stripe it'll be encouraging um as i've been told by nathaniel slattery that it's uh, it's fairly encouraging for people who work with their hands for a living to understand it's intentional it's purposeful it's the same 
uh, stuff that Jesus was doing for 20 years uh, before he, yeah, yeah, basically 20 years before becoming, uh, starting his ministry. Um, the Son of God spent three years saving all of us and 20 years working hard, making calluses, providing for his family. Mm. So it's legit. Very cool, um, And then, yeah, if you've got a pastor who you think might be interested, send it to him. It's like 15 bucks or something. Uh, blue, blue collar, slash book. Um, all my social links are there. Great. To yeah. all the web to be things. I'll be checking out your Instagram too. I'm looking forward to these, uh, from the van broadcasts. You know, I, I, uh, I gotta I, get I, back on it. I, I'm, I'm trying to find a schedule to, to do it consistently. So yeah. I'm getting there. Cool, man. All right. Well, great chat. Um, this will be a podcast in a couple days. So I'll, I'll send it to you so you can spread it around and put it on audio Mac if you want. Um, but yeah, man, God bless. Have a great day. All right. God bless. Thank you for having me. Cool, on. man. Thanks, Robert. Bye. Oh, it's Robert again. <laughs> oh, it's Robert. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was awesome. Pretty, uh, pretty based guy.